Well, hi everyone. Welcome back to our digital gathering today. My name's Philippa, if we haven't met before, and if this is your first time joining us, then welcome. I'm so glad you decided to be here. We're in week three of a series we've been calling Harbour of Hope, where we're using the book of James to help us to think about the question, what happens in the harbour of hope? And if we are to be a community, a family of people where others might come and find refuge, find hope, find the love of Jesus, what does that community do, say and believe? If someone was to come along and join in with what's happening here in the Harbour of Hope, what would they find? And so far we have talked about being people who help each other to find joy in the suffering. And last week we were thinking about being people who act. This week we're going to be using James chapter 3 to think about being people who speak. This is one of the most famous passages in James. And it's one which challenges us to take very seriously what comes out of our mouths. So as we begin, why don't I pray for us? Lord, I thank you that you care about all the different parts of our lives, that you care about who we are, how we act and how we speak. And Jesus, as we dive into this passage now, which is such a gift to us, Lord, would you speak to us by your Holy Spirit? Would you inspire us and would you encourage us that we might be people who speak more plainly of who you are? That the church, your church, Lord, might be known as a place where what we say brings glory to you. In Jesus' name. So I would bet that 100% of us understand that speech is incredibly powerful. It's crazy to think for a moment that each one of you has the power to totally devastate me with just a few words. Or to put it more positively, each of you has the potential to absolutely make my day. We are all so powerful with the words we have available to us to use. And I'm sure that every single one of us has a story of someone saying something to us which has changed the course of our life one way or the other, for good or for not so good. Some of us even remember things that were said to us as children that we still hold on to, that still stick with us all these years later. Maybe a teacher, a trusted adult like a youth worker or a mentor, a family member said something to you, good or bad, and you can remember it vividly. I remember being in reception, so I was four, and a teaching assistant saying in jest, come on slow coach, because I was taking a lot of time over my work, and I was gutted. I'm sure it was a light-hearted comment, and she didn't mean anything by it, but so often that's the case, isn't it? We pass off the things we say as just a joke, it's all banter, we always take the mick out of each other. Simon and I have helped with the youth at Focus for a number of years and it always sticks with me at the beginning when we do training with the team that we always encourage everyone who's helping to never ever put down a young person. Even when they're being super annoying and you know a quick put down in front of their friends would get a laugh from everyone else, you could devastate them. Words cut really deep. And that's what James is warning us of in chapter three. I'll begin reading from verse three. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. 
Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. James uses really clear images here to help us to understand the power and the influence that our words can have. James says that just like the bit, you know, the part of the horse's reins that go in its mouth, which helps the rider to control the horse, a very small part of our bodies, our tongue, can have influence and control on the direction that we head in. A tiny part of our body has enormous influence. In the same way, although a ship is massive and can be tossed about in a storm, you actually steer a ship by moving a very small rudder, that blade or paddle underneath the ship to move where you want to go. And not just that, but the tongue, a very small part of the body, has the potential to corrupt the whole body, James says. It sets your life on fire. And I remember being on a family holiday in Crete and we had decided to take a drive up into the hills in our tiny little hire car on these winding, narrow roads. We found this little shack bar overlooking the gorge to grab a drink at. And it was one of those places that seemed precariously balanced on the edge of the cliff. And it just had those little low wooden fences to stop you from falling over the edge. And I can picture still now in the middle of August, looking out at the vast gorge covered in dry, parched, brown foliage. And all over the cafe, there were signs telling people to make sure to put their cigarettes out in little pots of water. Such a massive gorge, huge it was, essentially covered all over in kindling. And all it would take is one spark from a cigarette to devastate the whole landscape. That's the impact that James is saying our speech can have. One little bit of harmless gossip, one throwaway comment, one ill-timed joke, and the whole course of your life or someone else's life can be set ablaze. Proverbs 26 says this, like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbour and says, I was only joking. And in our culture right now, we know that to be true, don't we? I know that right now, speaking online, I could say something which could totally ruin any chance of me ever leading or preaching again, which could change my life, which could, it could impact my whole family. I'll try really hard not to. We've seen countless people, people over the last few years cancelled, removed from the public eye altogether because of a mistimed comment, or sometimes because of a much deeper reporting of words that have been spoken over time, abuse that's been carried out. James goes on to say this, reading from verse 7 now. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. No human being can tame the tongue, James says. No one can have control over their tongue. Human beings have tamed all sorts of wild creatures. Lions, tigers, elephants, eagles, killer whales. But we can't seem to get a handle on our tongues. And I know this is true in my own life for sure. I seem to spend my life saying to my children, use kind words. Say please, 
or when one of them is having a tantrum. Please use your words. Help me to understand what's happening. It feels entirely, totally fruitless most of the time to try to have influence over their words, mostly because a lot of the time I find myself frustrated and saying quick words myself in anger or not speaking gently or kindly enough. James tells us that no person can tame the tongue. And we know, don't we, that our tongue makes us comment on something before we take the time to gather the context. It makes us speak harshly to our children and spouses. We dishonour our friends behind their backs. We just can't get a hold of it. So the question for us today really is, what can we do about this? How can we be a harbour of hope to others that they might see the way we speak to one another, see that it is different to how the world speaks. If James says that no one could get a hold of their tongue, no human is capable of it, what are we supposed to do? Well, let me read the final part of the passage for us, starting at verse nine. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth came praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Well, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Can fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? No. What James is saying here is that our words show us where our heart really is. Water flows from the source. And the Bible says, out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. Our words are a reflection of what's happening in our hearts, in the being of who we are. And it's that which we need to deal with. James is calling the church, calling the followers of Jesus to deal with the heart of who they are, of what they're focused on, on what or who they're worshipping. A saltwater spring cannot ever produce fresh water. And in the same way, he says, we can never expect a fig tree to grow olives. We could move it to a huge olive grove. We could treat it the same way as all the other olive trees. It will still always be a fig tree producing figs, not olives. If we want a tree to produce olives, it has to be born an olive tree. In the same way, it's the very heart for us we need to deal with. But the good news, of course, is that we have a saviour, Jesus, who has done everything required for us to become totally new people in him. 2 Corinthians says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. If you want to dig further into that and go away and read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, get into it, meditate on it. The incredible truth is that we are new creations now. We have been born again into the family of God. We are changed people now. We are a harbour of hope now. It's in our very nature. God isn't just taking his time, gradually chipping away at us, getting frustrated that we're not growing and changing quick enough. We've been speaking about being a harbour of hope. Well, James uses the phrase, the first fruits of mankind. We are a new kind of people in Christ. And obviously, yes, we can change and develop and grow. 
but we don't need to think of ourselves as fig trees trying to grow olives or saltwater springs striving to produce flowing fresh water. God has transformed us and is continuing to transform us and we get to be the harbour of hope today. So often the world is telling us that, we, that the most important value we should have is just to be ourselves. Well, yeah, I agree with that. Let's be ourselves. But let's remember that the ourselves we are, who we are, is a new creation in Jesus. Well, how can we do that? Well, two suggestions for us as we close. First, let's look to Jesus. If we want an example of someone who spoke perfectly all the time, who had no sin, we need to look to Jesus. We need to gaze on him, meditate on him, and read about him to understand truly what it means to be a harbour of hope, to be people who speak like Jesus. When Jesus was found in the temple as a young boy, it says that all who heard him were astounded at his understanding and answers. Jesus used wise words. When Jesus was tempted by the devil in the desert, he was tempted to use his words for his own power. But Jesus used God's words. He quoted scripture in response to the devil's taunting. Jesus spoke directly to demons and commanded them to come out. He used liberating words. When the disciples feared for their life in a boat on the stormy lake, Jesus spoke to the sea and calmed the winds and waves. Jesus used authoritative words. In the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus asked the Father to take the burden of the cross away from him. Jesus used obedient words, not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus spoke the very words that saved the world. It is finished. Jesus spoke redeeming words. So let's look to Jesus today. Let's see how he spoke. Let's dive into the gospels. Let's get addicted to the words of Jesus that we read on those pages. It is in him that we see what it looks like to use our words in ways that honour ourselves and one another. So let's look to Jesus and let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, in Acts chapter chapter 2, after Jesus has gone back up to heaven, Jesus' followers were gathered together in a room and they were waiting for the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, it says that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak. James is right when he says that no human power can tame the tongue. But that doesn't mean we need to be silent. It means we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit who empowers us to speak. And what do the words that come out of our mouths sound like when we speak? What happens in the harbour of hope when we speak? Well, we speak words of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. We speak with self-control. We don't act like that maniac from Proverbs we read earlier, firing flaming arrows of death and claiming we were just kidding. We look on Jesus and we are filled with the Holy Spirit that we might create together a harbour of hope where people see how we speak to one another, how we build each other up, how we encourage one another and don't tear each other down, how we call out the good in each other, how we honour one another and have patience with one another. This is true. It can happen. It is happening. So our words are powerful. Let's pray now that we would be people who think on Jesus and who are filled with the Holy Spirit, that we might remember who we are in him, that we're a new creation, that others might see how we speak to each other 
and find a place of safety, a harbour of hope with us, with Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, would you help us to fix our eyes upon Jesus? That we might be inspired by how he spoke, by how he acted, by how he moved about, how he interacted with other people. Lord, would you give us fresh insight to see what it's like to be people who model Jesus? But most of all, Lord, would you fill us with your spirit now? Lord, would you give us the power that we need to be people who speak words of joy, words of peace, words of patience, words of comfort? Would you give us the self-control that we need, Lord? Because we, we know we can't do it on our own. Would you come, Holy Spirit, and fill us now? In Jesus' name. Amen.